All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this following a matinee game. I, I took my time after this episode, didn't think that there was any massive urgency in getting this one up immediately after the game, uh, but I took my time and got to enjoy a nice Sunday win. From this Denver Nuggets team as they beat the sputtering, spluttering, uh, completely in the gutter Brooklyn Nets, who are, uh, they were down Kevin Durant, they were down James Harden, and might be down him permanently in the course of the next couple of days, and Kyrie Irving came in and he put on a show and uh, had 27 points, 11 assists, and shot the ball 26 times. So the Nuggets basically had a perfect game plan for tonight, and they didn't execute it perfectly in the first half, switched a couple things up in the second half, and were great. Uh, Only allowed 29 points in the second half after allowing 75 in the first. 40 points in the first quarter, 35 points in the second quarter, 29 points in the second half. That's a crazy distribution. I didn't expect that from this group in the second half. This was supposed to be a game that was about 140 to 135 uh, based off of how things were going. But I'm glad the defense finally kicked in. Denver's starters really put the hammer down on the defensive end to begin the third quarter. And they only allowed five Brooklyn points for about eight minutes of game time. It was very impressive. The Uh, Starters did a fantastic job. They deserve a lot of the credit for tonight. The bench, all minuses tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Oh, no, that's not true. Yes, it is true. It is true. All minuses uh, outside of garbage time. And it was pretty impressive to watch this Nuggets group kind of come together in the way that they were supposed to. It did come against the Brooklyn Nets, who have lost eight in a row now. So I'm not going to take this game with the... uh, with the sole intent of just praising the Nuggets for being back. We've seen them beat bad teams, and the Brooklyn Nets right now are a bad team. I think it's pretty clear. But it is very interesting, and I'm glad to see some pretty strong performances, including from Nikola Jokic, who 27 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, another triple-double, ho-hum. This one was easy. Uh, Not the last assist. The last assist was a little bit of a struggle, and he really wanted to go get it in the last five minutes or or three minutes or so that he was on the court for. Uh, He wanted that assist really badly, and the Nuggets would would pass, pass. They would they would kind of put him into a hockey assist situation. They wouldn't shoot when he when he had the ball, and he finally got it last play that he was out there outside of a Brooklyn Nets basket or or. Maybe it was a missed shot, pretty sure. But uh, Jokic was in his bag tonight. He was fantastic. Just just a, a freaking truck. 27 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, like I said. Had two steals, had a block. The block that he had on Cam Thomas at the rim, he pinned it to the backboard. It was one of those blocks that you don't really expect from a guy like Joker, who, like, he, let's face it, he barely gets off the ground sometimes. But this one, he took right to the backboard. It was actually pretty impressive. And I liked what I saw from him on both ends of the court. Now, he did get hit with the special where Blake Griffin hit five threes against him in the first half. Or maybe four, and I think there was one in the corner when he was switched off of him. But 
Blake Griffin coming into tonight's game, today's game, was shooting like 18% from above the break on threes. Comes in immediately, hits four today, and it was just not going to be a great day. But Denver switched up the coverages on the Kyrie Irving, Blake Griffin pick and roll. And so instead of having Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic on ball, they had Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green, and they were just switching that action. And it's one of the reasons why Jeff Green is so valuable to a team like the Nuggets. He didn't put up major stats or or do anything completely sexy or anything like that, but he had 12 points, did have five rebounds tonight, including two offensive rebounds. That was good to see. And was a part of why this team was very good, was plus 21 in 20 minutes. Everybody else played above 30 in the starting unit, and their plus minuses were higher, but uh, it was just very impressive. I was really, really impressed with how he handled that assignment. Did Kyrie Irving get a couple of his shots? Yes. Did Jeff Green sometimes not look great? Yes. But for the most part, he was just very solid. And it was a good bounce back game from him. Uh, like I was talking about a joker, like you you want these guys to really take advantage of the opportunity that they were presented with tonight because the Brooklyn Nets are awful. They are, and, and especially their starting unit without uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden, they're, they're just night and day on the kind of team that they are. And the Nuggets put them into a really good situation where they weren't really sharing the ball unless it was a direct pass from Kyrie Irving and those guys were then taking a shot right after. Uh, Patty Mills hit a couple shots. Blake Griffin, of course, hit the threes in the first half. But that really dried up in the second half. And I think a lot of it can be attributed to a good schematic change from Michael Malone, but also good, real, like really strong execution from the starters defensively. And Aaron Gordon gets a lion's share of that credit too. He was on Kyrie Irving for a lot of the game, was on a bum hamstring. It's pretty clear that he's a guy that's going to need the all-star break and is going to take full advantage of it. But 17 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, all while guarding Kyrie. Thought that was a pretty impressive day for Aaron Gordon. He hit two of four from three, including a, like it was a up fake three where he, he pump faked and then waited for his defender to get out of his way and then shot over him right as the buzzer sounded. He hit a couple of very impressive shots, including a turnaround from the post where Jokic was off the court and the margin was suddenly, I don't know, it was like 13 or 14 or something like that. And close to becoming a game, and the Nuggets closed the door on that thought really quickly. Gordon was very good there, made some very impressive passes as well, some to Jokic, some rotating out to the perimeter. He only had one turnover, and with the way that the like with the way that he was passing the ball, you would expect him to have more. But he did a great job tonight. This may have been one of his best games of the season on the whole. And it's just one of those that shows the immense, the immense value of Aaron Gordon and what he brings to the team. Having somebody who can both guard Kyrie Irving and then battle with Blake Griffin, James Johnson, uh, bigger players than that if you'd like, that utility is so important, especially on the defensive end. And, and when the playoffs come around, 
Denver's going to have a lot of teams that are they're going to need to guard some elite guards, guard some elite forwards, and Gordon's going to be that guy every single time. So it's pretty cool to see. Also cool to see Will Barton. Will Barton had a great game today. 21 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, did shoot 2 of 7 from 3. So, I, I mean, could he have been better even? Yes. But the fact is, is that he was 5 of 5 on 2s, had a 4 to 2 assist to turnover ratio. I thought his defense on Kyrie Irving when he got switched onto him and with the second unit was very good. And I thought that he didn't press. That was probably the most important thing. There was only one shot that I kind of turned my nose up at the entire day. And it was a pull-up three that he made. Isolation three with Yoke on the court that he made. And when you have a guy who's capable of doing that, it can be really easy to point out when it doesn't go well. Because naturally... Three-point shooters are always going to miss more shots than they make. So sometimes there's a little bit of confirmation bias in the way that people treat Barton when he shoots pull-up threes. The fact is is that he's actually a fine pull-up three-point shooter. Pretty good. Uh, Maybe not elite or star tier level or even like at that next tier beyond that. But he's good enough at them that he should take them. And the reason being is that it provides such a dimension for the offense that defenses have have to respect. They have to play Barton a certain way in order to prevent an easy shot attempt because teams contest those pull-up jumpers. They make sure to get out on him. And he actually does a great job, even whether it's three-point range, two-point range, of when he gets up into the air, sometimes he jumps and passes. And with most guys, you're like, don't jump and pass. It takes away your decision-making. But with Barton, he's actually pretty good at it. As long as he's not like caught in like a complete morass of bodies, usually he's very good at finding the passing window when he's up in the air. And so I thought it was a, it was a good game from Barton. I thought that there were enough good moments and too few bad moments where I think people are going to be pretty happy with the performance that he had. He guarded pretty well. He had a nice chase down block, making up for a bad turnover that he had. So one of the turnovers that he did have, he immediately made up for, which is pretty cool. That's a a good uh, kind of zero for zero value right there. Zeroing out is, is what I'm trying to say. But it's a step in the right direction. I thought he played with more intensity today. I'd like to see more going into the all star break and then more coming out of it. And so if he continues to stay on that path, he's going to earn a lot of trust back from Nuggets fans. Finally, Monte Morris. Nothing special from Monte, and yet he led the team in plus minus. 12 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, 0 turnovers. 6 of 12 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. Didn't make any threes today, of course, but he's liable to do that. We've, We've seen him do that. And he's still shooting a very good percentage on the year. So I'm not concerned about the three. That will drop when it needs to. Um, But it's good to see six out of eight two-pointers drop for him. He's so good at the back cut. And he's so good at navigating the middle area of the floor. 
that it gives Denver another dimension that Jokic can go to. There was one where Jokic was being very aggressive into the middle of the paint today, and Morris cut under the baseline and out to kind of like Jokic was at the, the dotted line in the middle of the paint, and then he found Morris because it was either Kyrie or Patty Mills or somebody like that who kind of left him to contest Yoke. And so Yoke finds him by being aggressive, and Monte's a good enough mid-range shooter that even in a weird place like that, he was still able to get it to go. So I'm glad we're seeing that from him. I'm glad that we are seeing more creative play from him, because sometimes he can be a guy that isn't necessarily the most dynamic from a you-don't-know-what-I'm-going-to-do perspective. Like, I think everybody knows what Monte's in there for, and he's so steady at it that you're usually fine with it. But as a starting point guard, and as somebody who needs to take on a lot of responsibility at times, he needs to have counters upon counters. And so being able to find points, that's a good way to win a playoff game, for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the bench unit. But first, as you know, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. This is a big moment. We are now down to the wire. Uh, We are doing this ad on Sunday during the Pro Bowl. Next week, this time next week, we'll be watching the Super Bowl. I'm really excited to watch it, and I'm really excited to bet it. And you can do that at DraftKings, where... If you bet just $5 as a new user, $5 or more, you get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, then try the Super Bowl 56 props instead, because there are a wide range of prop bets for the Super Bowl in this upcoming game. Take your shot on a on, at winning cash by predicting props like the non-quarterback to throw a pass, a fourth down conversion, total yardage. And so much more. There's so many options when it comes to Super Bowl props. And DraftKings, have, they've got you covered. They just do. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Where you bet just $5, get 280 in free bets. It is that simple. With promo code MHS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Welcome back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, let's discuss the bench. And let's discuss uh, what was a tough stint, I think, for the bench today. I think that there were enough things that I'd be concerned about from this unit that, hey, look, it's it's not going to look good every game. And there are definitely some tough, tougher matchups than others. But... The bench unit that basically ran out there today for the Nets was Kyrie Irving because he played pretty much the entire game. Um, You had Bruce Brown, Cam Thomas, DeAndre Bembry, and Dayron Sharp. 
And that's not like a murderer's row. You have Kyrie and Cam Thomas is pretty good. Like I, I'm I'm a big fan of Cam Thomas. I like his game. I think what he does as a shooter and scorer is very, very impressive. And I thought that he defended Bones Highland pretty well today. I thought that Kyrie Irving defended Bones Highland pretty well today. But it still shouldn't come down to that, right? Like this should still be a situation where Denver can still run healthy offense. And the bench unit today, uh, other than Faku's three, and and that came in garbage time. He didn't play with the main group. Uh, but other than that, the bench unit today scored. Uh, is that 32 points? Yeah, I think it's 32. So, like I've talked about before, if you get 32, if you get 30 plus from the bench and 70 plus from the starters, that usually works pretty well. Denver's usually in a good situation where they're good enough in those cases. Um, it doesn't always happen like that. And last game was a good example where Denver's defense didn't come to play. I do want to give credit to Denver's bench defense. I think that it's better than advertised. I thought that they played pretty well. Uh, Austin Rivers only played eight minutes today. He was 0 for 1, didn't really do a whole heck of a lot, defended Kyrie Irving for a couple possessions, but his right hip flexor, or it might be the left, but I think it's the right, uh, the hip flexor was giving him trouble. He showed up on the injury report yesterday and he left the game and, and then was questionable to return with some hip flexor tightness. So Denver decided to counter that by doing some staggering in the second half. And Aaron Gordon played the entire third quarter. And then Will Barton played the three in the fourth quarter. And I thought that that lineup made a lot of sense, at least a little bit more than the uh, than the Forbes, Bones, Rivers, Najee Cousins lineup. I thought that that lineup wasn't great in the first half, and the stats will bear that out, of course. Like, Rivers was a minus 5, and Bones Highland was a minus 10, so he was, I mean, wasn't wasn't a good night for Bones. And we should probably start there. This was a game where Bones showed some of the good things. He set up a couple of good passes. He took a shot at the end of the third quarter over Kyrie Irving for a buzzer beater and made it. It was good. And he also grabbed five rebounds. And that's good. You like you like to see if you're not contributing well as a scorer and as a playmaker, then you want to see him contribute better in other places. But this is part of the rookie growth process where he has games like these from time to time where he just kind of looks lost or at least doesn't know how to push the right buttons. And part of that is going to be involved with a switching up of players. Uh, Denver didn't get as many good looks with Bryn Forbes today as they had in previous games. Forbes missed a couple of the off-the-screen shots, thought that the Nets did a pretty good job of defending that action tonight. And that's where Bones usually racks up a couple of assists, as he usually delivers that pass. But when that was stopped, and when Cousins wasn't necessarily shooting as much, or Najee wasn't shooting as much, Bones was often left to create, and he, he also created in transition a couple times. So it was basically over on those opportunities. Now, he's not always going to be like that. He's not always going to miss pretty much every shot. 
So I'm willing to live with it, of course. Like, I think Denver didn't really get killed. They, they lost the minutes a little bit, but they didn't get killed. And that's what you're looking for. But Malone postgame basically committed to him, I thought. Uh, I thought Matt Moore asked a good question. He talked about the living with the uh, the rookie mistakes at this stage of the season. And Malone basically acquiesced to that. He said, yeah, we're 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 got to live with the rookie mistakes. You understand that he's not getting as long of a leash as players like Nicola did, Gary Harris did, Emmanuel Moutier did, because the expectations are higher. And he also said that Bones, like, no, he didn't say Bones earned that, but I think what they're in, they're in this situation right now where the previous option didn't work pretty much in any capacity. And they need somebody who's a dangerous shooter. And right now, if you're looking at uh, Bones as your rookie that you're going to be relying upon this year, next year, hopefully going forward for years to come, versus Faku, who is a free agent at the end of the year and can decide whatever he wants to do, I think they might they might be okay with going Bones, given that the option, the veteran option, has not been as reliable. And so you're put into the situation where if you're Malone, you're kind of uncomfortable. Like it's a, it's a really tough place to be. But I do think that he's learning to trust Bones. He he does have to pull his hair out a little bit sometimes. Bones will make some defensive mistakes that you look at him and realize, okay, yeah, he's 170 pounds soaking wet. And when he turns his body sideways, the defense can get right past him. And, and it happened pretty consistently today with both Cam Thomas and Kyrie Irving. There were a lot of opportunities for the Brooklyn Nets players to take advantage of him on the defensive end. So he's going to have to be better. But the only way he gets better is if he learns. And it's better to learn in a situation like tonight, today, where you have a little bit of a cushion uh, versus a situation like, I don't know if they're playing against the Suns, where every point matters. So I do think that they're in a good place with this right now and that uh, they've made a decision that they want to commit to development and that this is the rotation they want to go with right now, at least until Jamal Murray returns. I'm not sure whether that rotation is going to include DeMarcus Cousins next game or going forward. And we should probably talk about that, at least for, for now. DeMarcus Cousins, five points, two of six from the field, one of two from three, did make a good three. Nine rebounds, two assists, one turnover, three fouls. And he also got called for a tech. And he talked to us post-game about it afterward and then basically said he feels like he gets treated differently than anybody else in the league. And from watching the play, from watching the broadcast, my God, uh, he's right. I mean, he's, he's of course right. How he acted did not warrant a technical foul. The ref was watching him, knew it was DeMarcus Cousins, and gave him a tech for what was basically nothing. And it's too bad because you, you put him into these situations where he's set up to fail by a lot of other people. Gets called for offensive fouls. Aaron Gordon got called for an offensive foul today where he was just bigger than Patty Mills. And Patty Mills tripped and fell and pulled Aaron Gordon down on top of him. Gets called for a foul and then gets teed up too. So not the greatest night for the refs. 
but I do think, like I, like I said, Cousins, I'm not sure if he's going to be back. I think I would want him back if I were the Nuggets, but maybe not necessarily to play every day. Maybe to just be in a situation where you're on the roster, you're a part of the team, you're being helpful. And if you get called, if your number gets called, then you go into the game and you give it your all and you play with the best of your ability and do what he does best, which is rebound, play with toughness, set good screens, and hopefully hit some outside shots. That's the, uh, I think that's the anagram or it's the what whatever I'm trying to say. He did make a nice pass to Zeke Naji in the first half. I want that known. Uh, Denver had a couple of times with the bench where things didn't go well and Michael Malone called a timeout. And then out of the timeout, they ran a really nice play, got some good action. This was one of them where Cousins put himself into a good situation to receive a pass on the move going towards the basket and then made a quick read to a Zeke Naji cutting layup or dunk. It was great. That's what you want to see from that group. And you can see it really blossoming with this group where even though the plus minus wasn't really there, where Cam Thomas went off from as a scorer and Bruce Brown hit a three and Kyrie Irving hit some pretty crazy shots, you can see the roles kind of falling into place with this current bench unit where Bones is the point guard, Bryn Forbes is the off the dribble and off the screen scorer. Zeke Naji is kind of the, not the garbage man, but more of the tip of the spear from a finishing standpoint, kind of cleans everything up, uh, but is going to be relied upon for buckets and for defense. And he did both tonight really, really well. Cousins is the rebounder. He's the toughness guy. He's the enforcer. He's the interior playmaker. And then Rivers, when he's out there, kind of serves as more of the defensive guard. Somebody who can get his own shot on occasion. But I wonder whether they go to Davon Reed at some point. If Rivers needs to sit next game, I hope they try the same 10-man rotation, but instead go with Davon Reed. I want to see that configuration where you've got uh, you've got Bones, you've got Forbes, you've got Reed, Najee, and Cousins, if he's still available. And just see where that gets you. Because I think that Reed is good enough that you can rely upon him in those situations to space the floor and be capable. But we're going to see. We're definitely going to see. Forbes was really bad defensively today. He's a guy that I worry about even more than Bones as a defender in a playoff series. Because at least with Bones, I can see his tools kind of making up for it a little bit. And he also kind of has a good nose for the ball when it comes to blocks, when it comes to picking off passes, things like that. You'll see him get a steal or two or even a block at times. With Forbes, I'm always surprised when he comes up with a steal. It just never seems like he's impactful on the defensive end. But he did get a couple rebounds. He did help out on the glass. Um. And then he switched on to Kyrie Irving a couple of times and, and wasn't burned. But it's one of those things where if, if a team is going to go at him specifically, that's a problem. But they're going to go out a lot of guys on Denver's bench, so I'm not necessarily concerned just with Forbes. There are other guys that you got to worry about. But I do think that if Denver gets healthy, you start to have to figure out who's going to sit. 
I got to tell you, if I'm if I'm playing defense, then I trust Bones more than I trust Brent Forbes, which is crazy. That's that's a crazy thing to say. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the rest of this NBA calendar up through the All-Star break and what Denver's going to do over the course of the next two weeks. We'll be right back. Folks, we're back. Final segment here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That would be fantastic. Okay. Let's talk about uh, where the Nuggets are. And not necessarily record-wise, but just more timing. Uh, they are 29-24, and 24 and they're still 6th in the West. And I had Matt Moore talk me off the edge. Uh, today where I was like, hey, if they lose today, things are going to get really bad. And, and he was like, yeah, but also it's going to be okay. Denver's in a situation right now where they have to continue winning to stay above Minnesota. Minnesota's really good. And Nuggets fans will know that they are a very talented team. They're only one game back of the Nuggets in the loss column right now. And they actually have the tiebreaker over Denver. So once they get tied, they're going to be in sixth place, which means Denver's in seventh and they're in the play-in. Denver does have an easy schedule. And they're ultimately going to get healthy at some points. They're going to get some reinforcements. It's going to be fine. But until that point, things are going to get pretty stressful, pretty scary, and they have to bring it as many times as possible and not let the easy games slip, which is why last game was such a big deal and why they were rightly criticized for it. But you also have to be sensitive. And Michael Malone, uh, both pregame and postgame, spoke about the All-Star break is coming up, the trade deadline is coming up. You have to be sensitive in these situations to how the players are feeling because they're tired They're frustrated, and in some cases, they can be scared. They don't want to necessarily move. They don't want to be traded. Imagine like just being uprooted from your family and friends and your entire network of what you know because your job decides that you don't want to – like you're not the best thing for them, so they decide to go get something better. It's a tough place. It's a part of the business. Don't get me wrong. Like these players sign up for that. They know that it's a business, but it's still stressful because there's just a lot of things that you have to think about. If you buy a house, if you uh, have family that's here, if you've like, you've got your kids in school, things like that. There's just a lot to think about that fans don't necessarily really fully appreciate. But the trade deadline is a big time for the for the NBA, for fans, and it's rightly propped up as a big time because there are so many times that teams fully commit to who they want to be during this time period. And, and fortunately, it's backed up to the All-Star break. So while fans are, while uh, 
while players are probably feeling the pressure right now from both on both fronts. Once they get through the trade deadline, once they get through the through to the All Star break, it's going to get easier. Life is going to get easier. The team is going to take a big deep breath and focus up. I really do believe that that they're going to look like a different team post All Star break. But until then, they have a couple weeks, and they've got a couple goals that they have to satisfy. First one, of course, is to stay healthy. Where you've got Aaron Gordon who played the entire third quarter, guarded Kyrie Irving the entire time uh, during this game, coming off of a, a couple missed games with a bum hamstring. He looked like he was laboring out there, did get up for a nice poster dunk earlier in the game, but he still looks like he's, he's struggling, and you don't want him to aggravate that. Because if he does, then you're set back even longer than just like a couple weeks here or there. So if somebody needs to sit, then they need to sit. Cousins has talked about needing to like, sit due to injury over the course of his 10-day contract. That's tough. That's a tough place to be. And Denver now, they're in a situation where they have to decide on Boogie. They have to decide whether they want him around for the rest of the year. Denver does have an open roster spot. They are in a situation where they could bring him in on a full-time contract, but I don't think they can give him any more 10 days from what I understand. He's probably at his limit, and they're probably in a situation where they have to just either sign him to a full-time contract or go a different direction. So, my guess on what happens on that front is that they're not going to sign him He will not play on Tuesday, and then once Denver has a better idea of how the trade market is going to kind of end up, they will make a better decision on Thursday or Friday on whether they want to bring Boogie back or not. Because from what I understand, they're still looking for center upgrades, and whatever that means, I'm not really sure, like whether it's Nerlens Noel or Jalen Smith of the uh, Phoenix Suns, a young player that Matt Moore has been uh, putting out rumors on. There are other players as well. Daniel Tice, we've gone over the names. Alex Len. If the Nuggets get one of those guys, they're going to play. Like They're not getting them to sit behind Boogie. So if they get one of those guys, the writing's kind of on the wall. So either they sign Boogie in addition... And kind of have him as a third center option. Or they let him go. They keep two centers in that situation where they they sign somebody new. And decide that they would rather go that direction. Where they have the 34, 35 minutes that they play with Joker. And then they get somebody else who's a little bit more comfortable in those other minutes. And that's also good. So when you think about it from that perspective. When you think about it from, okay, you don't necessarily want a guy that's expecting to play 20 plus minutes. Honestly, that kind of takes Nerlens Noel out of the equation in my mind. Even though I've wanted him, even though I've thought, man, he might be a good option for Denver, he would be the best player that they could get. Don't get me wrong. But there's a certain expectation that if you trade for somebody and they only play a certain amount of time, 
then that could be pretty stressful, which is why you usually, if you're trading for a backup, you usually go trade for a backup. You don't trade for a starter and play him as a backup. You get better that way as long as everybody's willing to buy in, but not everybody is. So if you find the right guy who can buy in, then that's great. Until then, most guys, they play backups. They play in those situations. So Alex Len or Daniel Tice or somebody else of that nature probably makes more sense. As long as the price is right. So we're going to see. We're going to see what Denver does at the backup center position. They could decide to do nothing. They could let Boogie expire, go with Jamichael Green for the rest of the year, and just assume that they're going to play Jamichael, Jeff, Zeke Naji as small ball five options. And it hasn't worked lately, hasn't worked at all this year. But who knows what happens when Murray and if, if maybe even Porter comes back. Team could look a little bit different at that point. I don't think that they do that. I think that they try to solidify backup center in some way, shape, or form over the next week. The next thing that they have to do is I think they've got to get back onto a one-track mind where you hear about a lot of players that are thinking about their future, that are thinking about what they want to do, how they want to operate for the rest of the year. I'm thinking about Fakir Campazzo, Jamichael Green, and Austin Rivers. Now, Denver, like, it's not Michael Malone's job to make everybody happy. It's not. Like, he he's going to have a lot of people that are upset with him. And he said he might have 17 angry people in that locker room right now because they see his face too much, which is hilarious. But I do think that with Faku specifically, this comes to mind as something that Denver, if they don't think that he is a part of their present or a part of their future, then they could have an opportunity to do right by him and find him a place where he could play. They don't have to get back a whole bunch of resources or anything like that. Maybe it's just getting off of the $3 million and giving them some flexibility on the buyout market. I don't know. But there are some options out there that might be pretty good. Uh, Evan Domerel, or, or whatever, however you pronounce his name, he's a Cavs beat writer. He posited the idea that Faku Campazzo, among others, could be a good option for a Cavaliers backup point guard spot. And I tend to agree. I think that he's a guy that makes sense in a situation like that. The Clippers could use him too. Uh, maybe they decide to go a different direction. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that there's other teams out there that could use a backup point guard where Faku kind of comes in and stables the, stabilizes the rotation a bit as long as they have the right personnel. And I don't know what that personnel is. I think it's more than likely just a rim-running athletic seven-footer with some spacing around. And if that's the case, then Denver can be okay. They'll, they'll figure it out at that point. But I do think that Faku deserves an opportunity to kind of find, um, to make another lasting impression in the NBA that if he plays well somewhere else, then he could stick around and have an NBA career because at the rate that he's currently going, losing his spot to a rookie, 
I don't know if he's going to get another opportunity at that point. So I think he needs to make another better impression. But we'll see. Jamichael Green is another guy I'm, I'm worried about. If Denver decides to go with a backup center, if they try to find somebody else, then I don't think that they're benching Zeke. He's shooting 52% from three this year, and his defense has been good, and he's mobile enough to move around, and he's a guy that Denver is invested in for large parts of his career. He's on his second year of his rookie deal. He's going to have third and fourth next year, and I think that he's going to be in a situation where Denver's going to want to continue to play him. So if Denver gets a backup center and Zeke stays in a backup power forward, then I don't know where Jermichael Green plays. Now, he might be okay with not necessarily playing every night. I don't know if he is. He doesn't strike me as a guy that would be okay with not playing every night. But I also know that he wants to compete. He wants to win a title. And so if he thinks that he could win a title somewhere else while also playing, then maybe Denver could be justified in finding a new home for him too. The same goes for Austin Rivers, by the way, who I think personally Davon Reed has outplayed. I think Davon Reed's been a better player, fits the team a little bit better with this backup unit. And once Jamal Murray comes back, you've got Jamal, you've got Monte, you've got Barton, All three of those guys are going to play major minutes. You've got Brent Forbes. You've got Bones Highland. There's not a lot of room for a sixth guy. And if like it's just not going to be a consistent every every game kind of day. But we'll see. We'll see what he wants. We'll see what everybody is is interested in. I do think that Denver needs to be in a one-track mind position where everybody's on on board. Everybody knows what's expected of them. I think we'll get a better expectation of when to have Jamal Murray on the docket over the course of the next couple weeks. I think we'll get a better expectation of Michael Porter as well, though we might not. We definitely might not. But if we do, then we're just going to have to see. We are going to have to see what Denver decides at the trade deadline. I think they're going to continue to seek deals to improve perimeter defense. I think they're going to try to figure out what to do with their roster spots and whether they want to convert Davon Reed to a full-time contract or if they want to wait for the buyout market, both of which would be very possible. But they've got a lot to mess around with over the course of the next couple weeks. And there's going to be a lot to figure out. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens with them. They're a team that I'm watching closely because so much of what they're doing is tied to what they believe about their chances this year. And if they don't do anything, then I think it stands to reason that they're probably okay with whatever the result is this year. They're not going to overly stress about whether they're winning a title or not. Now, this is kind of Michael Malone's last year. Matt kind of turned turned me onto this earlier today, where this is Michael Malone's last year 
Next year is his actual last year, but he will go into this offseason as a lame duck coach where he'll be coaching on the last year of his contract next year. That's not really viable. That's not something that I think Denver is going to go for. And Michael Malone's certainly not going to go for that. So they're going to have to make a decision for Michael Malone as well. And that decision starts now, frankly. It starts at this trade deadline. Because if they have to be in perfect lockstep, whatever it is, Michael Malone has to know whether they are committed to him long-term or not. Because if they make a trade where they're more committed for the here and now, and then they don't necessarily commit to Michael Malone, that's going to provide a lot of stress. If they make a trade that's committed for the future, and they tell Michael Malone, yes, you can play Bones. Yes, you can try to work in all of these players that we plan on having for the future. We're going to take our time with Jamal. We're going to take our time with Mike. Then you put yourself into a situation where you don't necessarily have to fight for your job. I don't want Michael Malone fighting and coaching for his job. That seems like a very bad situation for a team in Denver that likes their continuity. Imagine anybody else coaching the Nuggets. I know that Michael Malone has his faults. I'm not here to carry water for the guy. But he is a good coach. And I'm not sure the next person that Denver were to bring in would be good. We don't know what they would do with Nikola Jokic. We don't know what they would do with uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and the rest of the roster and how they would manage it. There's no guarantees. With Malone, you know what you're going to get. And I think that's good enough to win a title. He just had all of his options taken away from him this year, so I don't think enough people have seen it. So there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to think about over the course of these next couple weeks. Denver's got to stay healthy. they got to decide on Boogie Cousins. They have to decide on the backup center. They have to get their house in order. They have to seek deals for perimeter defense. They've got to clear up their roster spots. As long as everybody's on the same page, then I think things are going to be fine. But if you have people out of line, if you have people going two different directions, that can be pretty scary. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Going to be a lot of episodes this week. We'll probably try to preview the trade deadline. We'll absolutely be covering the trade deadline. Uh, There will be a podcast tomorrow uh, on a variety of topics, as well as a uh, recap podcast of Tuesday's game against the New York Knicks. So, fun week, busy week. Going to be very interesting to see what happens. We had another big trade today in the NBA with Karis LeVert being moved to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We will see what the rest of the NBA has in store for this week. It it promises to be a pretty good trade deadline. That will do it for this episode. Talk to you guys very soon.